Welcome back to The Right Angle. You know, we have talked a lot in this podcast about things that you might not think of as jobs issues, as workforce issues. We talked about hemp. Maybe that's farming, but it turns out it's a workforce issue. We talked about rural housing. Maybe that's just a housing issue, but really it's a workforce issue when you get down to it. And as conservatives, we start talking about renewable energy. We start talking about jobs. Where are the jobs of the future? We're doing that with renewable energy too. Where are we going in the future? Where are the jobs going to be? What are the infrastructures that we're going to need to support those jobs? And how are we going to get that message accomplished? We are talking today with Representative Adam Nealon. I'm currently the chairman of the Assembly Committee on Jobs and the Economy. I like to focus my legislative efforts on economic development, entrepreneurship, STEM education, and kind of innovation within emerging technologies. And Scott Coonan, I'm the executive director of a little organization called the Wisconsin Conservative Energy Forum. Um, we kind of deal in emerging technologies and uh, change in the energy uh, generation and energy utilization space um, in Wisconsin. Um, we hit on a lot of new technologies, emerging technologies, and things, uh, things that we think are going to genuinely change the way we generate and use energy going forward. We will be talking today about that renewable energy technology. We'll start with the Clean Air Act and funds that have come in through the Volkswagen settlement and talking about EV corridors, electric vehicle corridors, and charging stations for electrical vehicles. And then we get into the technology more broadly. Here we go with Representative Nealon and Scott Coonan. How are you doing today, Scott? Not too bad, not too bad. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm, I'm having a really great day so far. And I don't want to get too far off in, you know, the world of other things going on. But right now, I'm a big soccer fan. And the U.S. U-20 just played against France in the World Cup, U-20 World Cup. They were not supposed to win. And they won 3-2 to two to advance to the semifinals for the third consecutive World Cup. So I'm feeling really great. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't get to watch the game uh, because we've had a, a lot of votes. We actually had, I had three different votes in the state assembly today. Um, so I've been in and out of committees, but I've been following it closely on my phone, and, and that was enough. Sure, sure. Well, I'll, I'll put a plug in for my favorite team right now, the Brewers, on top of the NL Central right now and building a, a little bit of a lead. So Are they in first again? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yep. Baseball's a long season. I, yeah, yes, it is. You know, I mean, they're from one end of the season to the other, people are going to say the Brewers are going to win it all, the Brewers are going to miss the playoffs. You're going to hear it all. But I think they got the lineup, but do they have the pitching? That's the eternal question right now. <laughs> yep. So anyway, we didn't just focus on Wisconsin sports. We kind of expanded out to the U.S. for everybody listening out there. Um, but today, we want to specifically talk about a proposal that we've been working on together, both uh, Assembly Republicans um, and the Wisconsin Conservative Energy Forum has been helping us along with this. And that has to do with clean energy corridors in the state of Wisconsin that has to do with electric vehicle technology. So let me just provide a little background information before we get too far in the weeds on, on this specific policy proposal that we're going to talk a little bit about today. Uh, and that has to do with uh, the Clean Air Act and Volkswagen being in violation of the Clean Air Act and getting sued by the federal government, which allocated a certain amount of resources to every state. Right? And the state has to use those resources for a specific reason. Uh, and in the state here, 
Um, as we are in the current budget process, looking at ways to, to spend that money to invest in the infrastructure of Wisconsin, to offset emissions, which is something that the money has to go to, um, we are looking at developing a clean energy corridor throughout the state of Wisconsin that connects all the surrounding states uh, through the intersections within uh, the um, uh, freeway system in Wisconsin to develop electric vehicle charging stations. Now, before we get too far in, just let me uh, talk about a few specifics that I'd like to point out within this legislation. It's not state money, so this isn't taxpayer money that's going uh, to build these EVs. It's the Volkswagen Settlement Funds. It's also not going to be owned by the state. They're going to be public-private grant programs that are going to go to um, companies surrounding uh, the state of Wisconsin that are interested in developing this technology as a matching grant formula so that they would recoup the revenues uh, and also be uh, responsible for the maintenance and the repairs and the upgrades as time progresses. Uh, and also, it's going to generate additional transportation dollars because a portion of the money we're going to implement similar to a gas tax so that way electric vehicle owners who are using the roads also pay their fair share. So big picture, we're looking at as an investment in the infrastructure of the state of Wisconsin. It's, it's really an economic development initiative. And it's also, Scott, and you can touch on this, you've done a good job uh, talking about how it's actually going to utilize resources within Wisconsin opposed to always uh, investing in resources that are coming outside and flowing into Wisconsin. Yeah. So, so Adam, you're right. I, I think you've, you've hit on a, a technology that's emerging, that's really is, is going to probably you know, be on the forefront of our minds the next five to 10 years. It's a tough thing, though, right? Because it's something that, um, you know, when I think of an electric vehicle, right, I kind of think of, um, you know, the, the crunchy Madison hippie, right, who is, who's electrified his scooter and is going down the sidewalk to try and save the planet, right? But what we're talking about here is actually something that I think conservatives can get excited about, Democrats can get excited about, everybody on both sides of the political aisle, um, can really uh, get behind this technology and I think get behind a kind of a transformation here. Electric vehicles, um, you know, if we can really manage this transition to to kind of an electric future, um, it, it offers so many benefits for the state of Wisconsin. It really, really does. You know, what you hit on, I mean, last year alone, we spent, as, as consumers, as drivers in the state of Wisconsin, we spent $7.5 billion putting gas in our cars, essentially. Um, and that's money that the state of Wisconsin will not see anymore, right? That's money that goes to Saudi Arabia, goes to oil and gas operations around the world. We don't see it. Um, if we could figure out a way to really get our heads around this new technology, this new transition, and, and figure out how to not only, you know, put electricity in our cars as a fuel, but also locally generate some of that electricity, we could bring tens of thousands of jobs back to this state and really bring some real job creation and economic development to Wisconsin. And I think that should be exciting for essentially both sides of the aisle. Amen. I mean, the fact is, will this help the environment? Yes, it's likely. Is that the purpose behind this initiative? No, not really. Quite frankly, the purpose behind this initiative is to develop our economy, create additional jobs, look to build our infrastructure up. I mean, in, w in many ways, this is a jobs bill. This will create 
new economic opportunities for people within an emerging industry. And you're seeing as more and more car companies kind of transition into electric vehicle, we need to get ahead of the curve and start building up this infrastructure. And I think this bill does it in the right way by not saying, okay, let's put it at libraries, let's put it at county parks, where quite frankly, a lot of people have kind of lobbied that we do invest in the infrastructure within government. But the problem I see with that is that now taxpayers are going to be on the hook long term for the maintenance, for the repair, uh, as technology develops and these type of superchargers become super superchargers, uh, they're going to need to get replaced. Uh, so I think by partnering with private companies in a matching grant type formula, I think this is going to really uh, put more investment into our infrastructure without any cost to taxpayers, which I think uh, is is the objective here. And that's the, that's the innovative part of this, right? And I think that's where you really brought some good ideas to the table, Adam, is uh, you know, a lot of other states have just kind of thrown money at this, right? You know, build them however you can, build them wherever you can, no maintenance plans. Um, you guys are really bringing the private sector to the table, which they, at the end of the day, the private sector has to drive this transition. The market has to drive this transition. You hit on it. I mean, Ford, General Motors, Chrysler, Toyota, all the biggest automakers in, in the world I think they're putting something like, uh, there's a tally out there, something like $300 billion over the next 10 years into battery technology and electric vehicles because they see this transition coming as well. They see the um, you know, benefits to the consumer. They see the benefits that um, could flow from this technology. So the private sector and automakers are getting involved in this. Um, but Wisconsin really, you know, you, we're, we're right to try and pull you know, a public-private partnership into things, because if we miss this opportunity, we could find ourselves pretty far behind. And and step one on, on this path is making sure that you have the basic infrastructure, making sure you have the basic charging infrastructure to be able to, to kind of harness this new technology and make sure that people are comfortable, you know, driving in the state on this. Absolutely. And one thing that we're still kind of working through and is how do we make it so that throughout the entire interstate system in the state of Wisconsin, we have opportunities so there's certainty to travel all throughout Wisconsin, right? Because the real world impact is there are some people sitting on the sidelines here for economic reasons and because of the uncertainty of driving an electric vehicle. So let, let's say there's a family that wants to invest in an electric vehicle. Uh, it will, you know, as an economic um decision, right? We've looked into this as a family. Just what does that mean for car repairs? What does that mean for savings on gas? Just looking at the economics of switching to EV, but part of it is their uncertainty about traveling throughout the state of Wisconsin. So the, the key and the goal within this legislation is how do we incentivize private companies throughout the state of Wisconsin and not just clustered in certain urban areas to want to participate in this grant program so we're, we're looking at that, we're, and I think we've worked with a lot of good stakeholders such, such as your group to kind of get ideas how we make that happen. But what are some of the real world impacts or what's your thoughts on, on how we make it so that throughout Wisconsin we have this opportunity? Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the most important thing is to recognize that this isn't, you hit the nail on the head, it's not just going to be an urban thing. This is going to be a truly statewide technology. This has to be a truly statewide thing. 
And and for, for me, somebody like me, I, I travel all over the state of Wisconsin. I'm in every single corner of the state. I'm sure you can relate to that a little bit as a, as a representative. Um, as somebody like me, I, I have to have the certainty that I can get from point A to B and, and back again. Um, and, and that's that's just, that's no matter... No matter how you know inexpensive the maintenance on electric vehicles is, no matter how cheap it is to to run them, you know, uh, just based off of the difference between gas and electricity, even if the economics all point in one direction, I'm still, I'm still not going to pull the trigger on buying an electric vehicle unless I'm sure that I can get to where I need to go. Period. So that that's something I you know that that is problem number one for everybody. Period. Um, so to address that, uh, you know, that this bill just squarely addresses problem number one. It's certainly a step in that direction. You know, I mean, when you're looking at uh, how to answer some of these challenges, I think that having a public-private partnership is, is one of the things that's really going to impact and incentivize people throughout the state to want to participate in this. Because if you look at the economics of it, as more EVs come on the roads, companies are going to be looking at ways to attract those EVs into their location. You know, if you look at the landscape of electric vehicle charging stations now, you would kind of assume it's at gas stations, but that's not necessarily the case, right? They're all over. They're at furniture stores. I saw one at Menards the other day. They were at hotels. So we're not simply looking at gas stations and saying, how can we incentivize these gas stations to offer another charge? But we're putting it out for the entire private sector, and we're not pinpointing, hey, these are where they need to be, but we're kind of allowing the market uh, to make those decisions for us. However, we are having uh, you know, uh, an application process so we can look at this from a larger um, standpoint in terms of where do they need to be that makes sense. But we're still working through exactly what that's going to look like. But I think as we progress, this is going to be a major infrastructure investment that's going to have long-term positive impacts for many, many years. Yeah, and from, from a consumer point of view, if I'm driving an electric vehicle, you know, Maybe I don't want to sit at the convenience store for right now. You can, you can get a something like an eighty percent charge in a half an hour on the fastest chargers, right? Uh, and that and that you know that half an hour has come down steadily. It used to take you know multiple hours. They are working the technology and, and gaining efficiency in this uh, pretty quickly. So do I want to sit at a convenience store for half an hour or do I want to sit somewhere where I maybe have an opportunity to go get up and move around and, uh, you know, be outside for a little while? I think there's a lot of different, um, you know, things that we need to, to, you know, get our heads around on the market side. You know, we government can't make that decision necessarily and shouldn't be making that decision where chargers are located. Uh, we should allow people to experiment a little bit with this and see what fits best. And one thing, uh, you know, as technology and the world changes, I mean, it used to be when you're thinking of something like this, oh, well, it has to be at a certain location because you're going to need to spend an hour. Like you said, time, times are changing. Now we have 20-minute supercharge, which we are kind of looking at as that being the major um, type of charge that we want in this corridor. However, if you look at the larger picture, unfortunately, not every electric vehicle is there yet, right? Some of them aren't able to use that level three, I believe is the fastest one at this at this point. So some of them need that level two. So that's another thing we've done within this bill is allow some flexibility within these applications. Uh, so if there are companies that want to provide a level two and a level three to have that ability. Uh, and I wouldn't fear for some of these places that are like, oh, well, you know, if someone's going to be sitting around, well, 
that might not be the end of the world because people all got smartphones now, right? So, I mean, how how many people want to be on their smartphone when they're driving in the first place? So maybe a 20-minute break to get a charge and uh, check out your email or return some text messages might not be the end of the world. I could sit on my phone for a lot longer than 20 minutes sometimes. <laughs> and I don't want to get into this whole discussion right now, but I can't wait for autonomous vehicles so I can sit on my phone when I'm driving. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I am not afraid of autonomous vehicles. Let's get it done faster. <laughs> Amen, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's the next thing we work on together, Scott. So let's take a step back to it just a little bit and kind of what is the Wisconsin Conservative Energy Forum? Who is it? How big is it? And why are they advocating for this clean energy corridor? Sure. So we're, we're, we're kind of a new, we're a new organization. We've only been around for just a little over a year in Wisconsin. And we, we're kind of tied in with a national organization that has a network of about 21 states now, 2021 states across the country. Um, and we, we, we take... Um, kind of a, a unique position um, on, on some of these energy issues, new energy development. So we, we talk a fair amount about renewable energy, both solar and wind, as well as, um, you know, biogas, um, other things like that, electric vehicles. We, uh, but we take a conservative, uh, market-friendly approach to it, a market-centric approach. Um, there's a lot of organizations, both, you know, nationally and, and in Wisconsin, that talk about this stuff, uh, but they frankly, kind of fall on one side of the aisle. Sierra Club, Conservation Voters, um, you know, there's a lot of Clean Wisconsin, other organizations out there, but they're, they're not quite talking to right-of-center folks, to folks that care about markets, to folks that, um, you know, are grounded in principles that are market-friendly. Um, so we're, we're kind of here to, to try and inject a conservative viewpoint into some of this stuff and um, start to change the dialogue and the conversation around some of these new technologies. Well, I think that's fantastic. You know, as a legislator, you're always looking at ways to improve efficiency and also balance that line between innovation and public safety and, and trying to add value to people's lives. And when you look at the way that the energy discussion and the dialogue is changing, uh, we need groups like this to make the economic argument, to make the efficiency argument, because right now I think there's a narrative out there that the reason people go to renewables is simply for environmental reasons only, that they're paying more, that they're taking a hit to try to be environmentally friendly. And that's just not the case anymore. Renewable cost is going down. And if you look at the overall impact and what that means for the state of Wisconsin, it's going to be a positive if we produce more energy in Wisconsin instead of constantly outsourcing uh, and bringing in even some of these renewable energies from outside states. Uh, and so there's an there's an economic case to be made for energy efficiency and for renewables, and there just doesn't seem... Uh, that message just doesn't seem to be getting out there enough. Yeah, you know, it, it's difficult after years and years and years. I, I, I tell people, you know, I've I've been arguing against renewables for the better part of a decade since my kind of days being involved in the college Republicans at UW-Whitewater. You know, I, I've been arguing against this stuff. I've, I've made all the arguments. It's not competitive in the marketplace without tax credits or inefficient government mandates. It's um, not ready for prime time. You know, those arguments have all been true for a long time, um, but they're not true anymore. Uh, the market has changed. Things have fundamentally changed on the ground. The facts are different. And we need to take a look at some of this stuff. That kind of flips the issue on its head. And, uh, 
you know, if, if renewables are changing, if the market in, in energy and, and, you know, vehicle technology is fundamentally changing, our reasons for supporting this stuff need to change as well. Um, and we can shift that debate. We absolutely can. And we need to because too often there's just this knee-jerk, visceral disgust from conservatives when you mention anything like renewable or electric vehicles. And the fact is, I think the, the notion is just misguided that we're doing it simply for the environment, simply because we believe, you know, lumping it in with the Green New Deal that the world's, you know, in 10 years, we're all going to burn up and we need to make fundamental changes to protect the, the globe. And that's just not the argument that people are making on the conservative, on the Republican side uh, for these types of innovations like electric vehicles and to rethink how we're looking at energy as a whole and just to embrace innovation. You know, we don't want to be the party uh, that seeds that the, to the left that they're gonna be the party that embraces innovation and technology and change because we need to recognize that that's gonna have a positive economic impact. That's going to help people's lives. That's gonna add value to our constituents. So how can we do that in a conservative way? How can we look at these ideas like electric vehicles and make them so they're public-private matches, make them so that we invest in our infrastructure and protect taxpayers, but also embrace this technology. So there's a space for us in here. And we don't have to lose this argument. We just have to look at conservative solutions within this space. And, you know, I thank your your organization for helping make the case. Yeah, for, for too long, I think we've we've kind of pushed these issues, you know, we've been off the table, right? We haven't taken part in the discussion. So, you know, pe- people don't even recognize, I think, that there are market policies that you can adopt. There are things, conservative policies that you can adopt. We, we don't have to ban the internal combustion engine tomorrow, right? The electric vehicle is going to come because it's a superior technology and we're going to get there at a certain point. But it doesn't involve banning uh, fossil fuels outright. It doesn't involve, you know, all of these, you know, traditional ideas that are kind of crazy and out there that define, you know, the conversation. So we really, uh, we, we're trying to be the people that sit at the table. We're trying to be pragmatic, middle of the road, and, and really find kind of a middle ground where I, I think um, we can actually get some things done. That's great. So. You know, and I'd be happy to take a stab at this, but I'm interested from the Wisconsin Conservative Energy Forum and from you, Scott, what's next? What After we get this done, after we get this clean energy corridor up and running, what's next? Sure. We, we have a, quite a few things that we, we like to do both on the programming side. We, we do uh, a, a lot of tours around the state. Um, Wisconsin has, you know, a lot that we can be proud of. I mean, we, we are... Just uh, just a month ago, our public service commission uh, approved the the building of what is going to be the largest solar plant uh, east of the Mississippi in the entire continental United States, um, and we're doing that in Iowa County, right in our, our own backyard. Um, so we're we're going to be taking a tour out there to see how they're they're going to build that facility. Um, we we have a lot of things that we can be proud of. So over this next summer, we're going to be doing a lot of tours. Um, kind of educating both, you know, policymakers and, um, you know, local leaders about the decisions that we can make involving energy that would help Wisconsin going forward. And of course, there are also a lot of, uh, you know, discussions on the policy side that need to take place. Um, we, we are kind of in a, a broader energy transition. Um, you know, coal plants are shutting down across the country. We are, our utilities and, and other energy providers are moving into 
you know, some cleaner sources of energy. Uh, we, we need to handle that, and we need to figure our, our way around that. There's a lot of challenges going forward in that, so we're, we're trying to have some policy discussions and trying to figure out, you know, what are innovative things that uh, people haven't proposed before but that we think can help solve problems. That's great. And from the uh, Assembly Republican side, you know, I don't speak for everybody, but I know that the big push on our side of the aisle has been workforce development, right? This is no secret. You know, people are hiring, there are jobs available, and we need to have people that are trained in these jobs of tomorrow. I read a study the other day from the International Monetary Fund that said 50% of the jobs of the future haven't even been created yet. And that's just mind-blowing to think about, that there are actually uh, half the workforce is going to be working in jobs that we don't even recognize as jobs right now. So we need to adapt to the changing landscape and, and really figure out how we're training people and recognize that people need to learn a skill and develop a skill, but it's also how they're learning this skill, right? It's systems, it's processing, it's engineering, it's how to learn on different um, types of machinery that as that machinery progresses, they'll be able to stay uh, in the loop and be able to adapt to the changing times. And one thing, as long as we're on science and innovation and these types of things, I just want to put it out there that we should not be afraid of automation, right? It is going to change the way our workforce looks, but it will also make people more efficient. It's not going to take people's jobs. It's going to change their jobs and make them more efficient. So we need to be looking at how we're training the workforce. And part of that has to do with energy, making sure that we have the right workforce to be able to adapt to this shifting energy landscape, to make sure we have the people that are installing these things, to make sure we have the people that are repairing them and making sure that they're able to innovate and adapt. And you know what? The, the state that has the company that finally figures out energy storage that's going to be a game changer. So let's be that state. Let's continue to train our workforce and our kids to learn of the jobs and the skills of the future. And so I think workforce development and really helping uh, to facilitate um, a, a better future uh, economy is uh, and doing that through market-based solutions and looking at how we can add value without getting in the way. Uh, I think that's kind of what our primary focus is, at least through Committee on Jobs and the Economy moving forward. Yeah, we, we're a manufacturing state, right? And all of these things, even even these, you know, even, you know, solar panels and wind turbines, they, they all require a manufacturing process. They are, this is a, this is big business. This is manufacturing and, and Wisconsin's going to have a central role to play in this stuff. I, I tell people over the next five years, we, we have kind of a queue of power projects that are coming up in the state that we, we keep track of and it goes out five years over the next five years, there's something like 2,000 megawatts of solar power that's going to come online. That's roughly 75% of what the state's going to add over the next five years is solar power. That brings, that if, if all of that is built over the next five years, we would go from under 1% of our power being solar to over 20% in five years. That's a huge transition. We are going to need hundreds of workers not only to install that power, but also to maintain it for the next 25, 30 years. Solar installer and wind technician are the two fastest growing jobs in the in the entire country right now. Let's get behind that. Let's uh, let's figure out how we can work with the tech system to uh, you know to train workers up and make sure that we have the workforce in Wisconsin that we need. That's great. So I I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. Again, I'm uh, State Representative Adam Nealon, and I'm Scott Coonan. Thanks again, and uh, don't be afraid to embrace change and technology, but always be skeptical. Mm-hmm.
and uh, let's change the world for better. And there you have it. Renewable energy is here. It is a market force that we have to be paying attention to, but it's not a force that needs a heavy-handed government to guide it. These are great opportunities, and these are technologies that Wisconsin can capitalize on, and we need dynamic folks like Representative Nealon to continue to work on those issues and keep driving those uh, issues forward. Thanks to our intern, as always, for the music, Andrew Stores. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, and Pocket Casts, and more to come every week. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic we'd love to hear from you, please tweet us at Wisconsin Assembly GOP. This has been The Right Angle. We'll talk to you next time.